as we uh, as we prepare to uh, let me get myself cut on here. I operate on an ever ready battery battery. So as we prepare for our missions emphasis this coming month, along with Christmas. You know, the reminder is that Christmas is a very important time sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, the coming of our Savior. And that's why we receive this offering during the Christmas season, because that is the message for everyone. And today I'm going to speak about the first, one of the first missionaries, first great missionaries, and that is the Apostle Paul, and how he sort of came to be where he was on the mission field. And so this is a... This will be a little different kind of sermon, I think, today than we typically hear, but uh, I want us to uh, uh, pay attention today as we think about Paul's journey, his early journey, as he prepares uh, to be uh, the spokesman for God uh, to the Gentile world of that day. So, 19, verse 19 following, And taking some food, he regained strength. Uh, We'll talk later why he was so tired and hungry. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And all those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among us who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? So we'll just park there a moment and remember this about Paul. He was called Saul in his before Paul days, <laughs> before he became a Christian. And as Saul, he uh, was a persecutor of the church. He was a very uh, zealous persecutor of the church. And he was imprisoning and even bringing to death some of the early Christians. He stood over Stephen's death in, in Acts. You'll read about Stephen. And so well, this was his sort of history. He was a Pharisee. He was very zealous for the Lord. Then after the episode of Stephen's stoning, he was on his way to Damascus for the very purpose of persecution. And there he encountered the Lord Jesus in a vision. And it was a tremendous experience. It's called the Damascus Road Experience. It's got its own name because it refers to something very dynamic. We won't go into all of that just to say he received Jesus as his Savior. And he was told to go on into Damascus, and there he would be entertained by a Christian, and there he would begin to find his direction in life. And so Saul had come to Damascus, as you can see, and uh, he comes with this reputation And it says that though he was a Christian now, he was a Christian at this point, he grew more and more powerful and he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. And many days had gone by and the Jews conspired to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. So here's escaped from Damascus. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and not believing that he was a disciple. 
Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He taught and he debated, it says, with the Grecian Jews, the the Jews who had come from the Greek areas. But they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. So here's this early chapter in Paul's life and ministry as a Christian. His conversion was not the end of the story. As dynamic as it was, it was really very much a beginning for him. And out of that he would receive not only salvation from Christ, but also his call, his sense of call. He had that very early on. He was showing that in Damascus even, in his sense of call. And so this beginning with the Lord soon began to develop into something else. You know, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And Saul needed that word and he took the word of the Lord into his life. He was struggling mightily in his own inner self. He was conflicted about what he saw in these Christians and about what he knew as a Jewish leader. And so Jesus said, I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart and you'll find rest for your soul. We sing that song often for invitation, just as I am, I come. So when we come to the Lord, we're not putting all our ducks in a row, we're coming just as we are. And this was what Saul was. He was a battler. He was smart. He was studied. He was a leader. And he brought all of that along with him. But he also brought Christ in his heart. And there was this period after his conversion where he had to begin to learn what it meant to walk with Jesus. What it meant to bear the yoke of Jesus Christ. We've all got to learn how to walk as servants of the Lord. And his journey is much longer and much harder than we might imagine. So if you wonder about yourself, why why are my struggles here? I want you to think back to this story we're reading today. In 19, it says, Saul spent, verse 19, it said he spent several days with his disciples in Damascus and began to preach in those synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. He immediately went, passionate, zealous, new believer, 
All who heard him were astonished and they asked, Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem? Among those who call on his name, hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? So here his reputation was very freshly with him. He had a name. He had a name. And now he had taken on the name of Jesus. And so here are these two kind of clash, you might say. He began to witness that Jesus is the Son of God. That is the gospel message. He's taking the good news. When we are ordained to the gospel ministry, Ronnie, William, that is the ministry of primarily the good news of Jesus Christ and the redemptive power of Jesus Christ and what He can mean in our lives to turn our lives around. And so He was preaching Christ. He's God. He's the Lord of life. That's the fundamental thing we have to share. Lee, you were talking about sharing the message of Jesus to those on the streets. That's the gospel message you were taking. Talking about the new birth. Jesus is my Lord. We confess Him as Lord. I thought today, i am not got that much longer with you. And I thought today I would share some things about ministry today that I've experienced. So you'll have a token of it. A lot of these things I've alluded to from time to time, but not really have talked much at length about them. But I received my call as about an 18-year-old down in South Carolina in that Milltown church that we belonged to. I was beginning college. I'd been a Christian, but there was something about the Lordship of Christ I had never truly settled in my life. And at that point, I came to realize that Jesus didn't want to just save me. He wanted to do something not only to me, but through me. And He wanted me to be a servant. And I sensed this call first just to be a disciple of the Lord. Just to learn how to walk with Jesus. And I think that's what Paul will see is encountering in these early days. Even before we, we know what our calling might be largely, we have to learn to walk, all of us walk the same walk following Jesus Christ as a disciple. And that's where I started. And then, then I, I began a journey, both spiritually and somewhat physically, a journey when this, this sense of call that I had, I didn't know quite what it meant. I didn't know anything about pastoring. I wasn't even sure what that meant. I just had this sense of wanting to preach, wanting to share the gospel. And I had in my mind plans of how this was going to work out. I was already in college, and I was just going to go on through college, and then I was going to start preaching. I didn't even know there was a, such a thing as seminary. I was just going to go to college. Well, that journey wasn't quite like what I figured. I had a couple of years there in that church, and it was a great blessing. It nourished my soul, and I grew in the Lord. But I was, I was, I was getting ready to spring out. And I finished my first two years of college, and I'd turned, and I'd already been uh, uh, accepted into another college out of junior college down in South Carolina. I'm going to go to Columbia Bible College. The same week I got my acceptance, the same day I got my acceptance to Columbia Bible College. 
I got also an offer of a job down in Spartanburg, a good job for mill people. I got a, I got a uh, jury notice <laughs> and a draft notice. You know what trumped everything. <laughs> and so the plans I had laid out were completely off the chart. And I don't mind telling you. I mean, I, I, was, I, I, I was not typically a sassy follower of Jesus. But like Job, I told God, you have made a mistake. This is not the plan. I'm not cut out for this. I'm not soldier material. Didn't matter. For, two, for the next two years, I had to take my calling and find a way to keep following Jesus and keep in mind the calling He had me on without being able to really practice it except for witnessing. No preaching. Nothing like that. And I'd already preached a little bit. So I had, the, I had it in my mind. And so I, I got back home and I, I did get into college and, and, and I got to serve as a couple of years part-time as a youth director down in a church there in Spartanburg. And Got that experience. And so uh, uh, whoever had known of me before I went to service had already forgotten about me, so there wasn't any more preaching much. I had got married. I saw that, Jane. That was going to come later in my story, but I think maybe I'll go ahead and stick it in here. While in service, I married my sweetheart from back down in that same Glendale area. She was a native, grew up there. We got married while I was in service. So things were brightening up. But we got on back and I couldn't immediately get in school and I, 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 I sort of was shaking on planning anymore, but I did, went ahead and applied, got into Gardner-Webb and had a couple of more years there as I was serving that little church, Jane and I. And then, you know, you have your best plans. And you don't know how they're going to work out. They weren't, Paul's plans didn't work out. He saw himself preaching in Damascus. He could see, he could see his ministry just cutting, turning into, he was going to be the next Billy Graham or the first Billy Graham. <laughs> we all think we're going to be Billy Graham. It said in verse 22, it he got more and more powerful, you know, baffling the Jews in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. Something happened between verses 21 and 22. It's not reported in Acts. But he talks about it in Galatians. He said in Galatians 1, 15 through 17, he said, But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man... Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately into Arabia and later to Damascus. And the thinking there is he spent years in Arabia by himself, studying and thinking. He knew the Old Testament. 
He was a Pharisee. But how did this come in to be a part of what he was doing with the gospel? What mattered there? He already felt very self-sufficient. But he found out that his self-sufficiency was not going to work. And he went and prayed. And he did his best to prepare himself. I didn't know I was going to go to seminary. I didn't even... And so when school ended, I went on to seminary. I had three years there. That was three more years. I'm now counting five years since I had this sense of calling. Still eager to preach. Not getting out there. Preparing, getting ready. These are preparation days. So he took his, he took his Old Testament, you might say, into the, into the uh, desert. And studied about the sacrifices and the prophets and the Psalms and maybe the other things. (laughs) And as he studied, a great conviction came over him. He was to be the man to lead Israel to Christ. He had this idea that he was going to be the one to convince the Jews to become Christians. So now this plan's developing. He's got another plan. He's going he's to be the one to prove to them, he says. Prove to them Jesus. And who was better equipped than he? He knew the Jewish faith. He studied it intricately. He would be the man that could win debate after debate after debate after debate and convince people that Jesus is the Messiah. That's what he saw himself. That was his, he was eager to do that. He came out of that desert, I think, even more prepared. But you see that he still had trouble ahead. He wasn't at the place where God wanted him yet. Here's already now years that's gone by. And so it says, The Jews conspired to kill him. Saul learned of their plan day and night, kept close watch at the city gates. His followers took him by night, lowered him in a basket, Opening in a wall, he skulks away from Damascus. He's learning. He was at a low moment. He was wondering, should I go on? Or where should I even go? And here he was at a low moment. It was a teachable moment. God was teaching him. There are are things that occur in the Christian walk that can only occur in the low moments. And he's learning. And he says this in, in Philippians 3, 7 and 8. I wanted to read this passage to you. It's a very familiar passage, but I think it speaks to this. Philippians 3, 7 and 8. But what things were gained to me, I counted as loss for Christ. Doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, from whom, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I might win Christ. He's learned. He's learned that when everything that he thought was his strength that he was going to capitalize on, everything there was something he didn't even need at all. 
God had, God had a message in his heart that he was going to take. God didn't need his abilities. And we all have abilities, and God used his abilities. But that wasn't the real need. What he needed was his availability. He needed him to be in a place where he could really be used and be planted. He just needed him as a person who would take on the yoke of Christ. And wherever Jesus led him, he would follow. Jesus said in one place, he said, I am meek and lowly of heart. If we have ambition and pride in our heart, God's got to beat it down in us. Pride works for sin, not for Christ. And here was a very proud man. And, and it had to die. We had to come to the point, without you, God, I can do nothing. And Paul had to die. It's hard to die to yourself. But that's what it means to be a disciple. Paul said in one place, I die daily. Every day. At the prayer moment, I lay my life down. And so let's look at this story of his dying. When he came to Jerusalem, verse 26, he tried to join those disciples. They were all afraid of him not believing that he really was a disciple. They just didn't believe him. Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, told him about his journey with the Lord. The Lord had spoken to him how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly for the Lord. So Saul stayed with him, moved about freely, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And what happened? He talked and debated with the Jews, but they tried to kill him. They were about ready to kill him. Same old story in Jerusalem that happened in Damascus. He still had the zeal to convince the Jews. He still fell on his face. He still failed. Even the disciples didn't want anything really to do with him. They really couldn't trust him. He had not earned his credibility. Sometimes it's hard getting started. My last few years, my last year of seminary, at the end of my last year, I, got, I was invited down to Sherrall, South Carolina to do some uh, supply preaching. They were without a preacher. And so I went and basically just supplied preached. You might could call it a little interim, but it was more just preaching. And I was down there about three months preaching. They all seemed to like me. I liked them all right. Much of you like a crowd you don't hardly know. And they decided they would put me up to be the pastor. And I thought, well, you know, okay, this is what I've been, this is what I'm after, what I'm going to do. And so uh, they put me up to be the pastor. They, I wasn't there that Sunday. They voted on me. It took a while for that guy to call me. He called me. He said, he said Charlie, he said, I'm so sorry. But you got voted down. I'm so winsome. How could they not? And I'm telling you, I didn't know, I thought this is this the end. I can't even this little church down in South Carolina. Maybe I was too upstate for them. I don't know. But whatever the case, I was devastated. I mean, it's, it flattened my ego. I was proud 
And it was years. I mean literally years. Probably, I was here, probably 20-something years before I found out that that church had been split. They weren't going to vote no matter what. What the other side wanted, the other side was not going to vote on it. I didn't know that. I thought it was all about me. And so, the seminary, we would give your name out to other places, and they sent my name out to this little church in Virginia. Way up on the James River. I mean on the James River. Surrey County, I think it was. To a little church called Burnt Swamp. They were so far from any other church, I had to go out of the county to preach the trial sermon somewhere. There was no other churches in the county. There were 600 people in the county, which seemed like a lot, but it's a big county. And we were pretty close to the James River, and the first, the first thing that was a tip-off was the pastor there had a hog pen in the backyard. He had so little to do that he was raising hogs in the backyard. And I'm not much of a hog raiser. And Jane didn't want to be raised around hogs. Didn't raise kids around hogs. So we just said, you know, so I'm thinking, man, I'm down with the hogs. I'm like the prodigal son here. Finally I got a call to Mill Creek Church. And there we stayed for six years. And some of the hardest years I've ever had had nothing to do with the church. Just trying to figure out what in the world is pastors about. And if it hadn't been for a four-letter word, love, the love of that church, the love of God, I'd have never made it. You have your fears. You have to learn. They don't teach you things in seminary. You're going to find out pastoring. Every new experience, I've said this to some of you, every new experience I had was a fearful experience. Go to the hospital, accidents, issues that people had, domestic, you name them. Whatever happens in life. It's like going up to a door... You know how these cartoon shows, they have this door and you open it up and they step through and there's no floor. It's like the coyote. That's the way you feel going in. It's dark. You don't know what to do. And so you have to learn and it's painful. It's scary. because People are counting on you. You think they're counting on you to come through and you think you should be able to come through and you don't know how. Paul said, when I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and I saw the Lord speaking and He said to me, quick, leave Jerusalem immediately because they will not accept your testimony about me. He said, your preaching here is not going to work. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. You need to get out of Jerusalem 
Nobody's going to listen to you. You've got to find your way to a place you can preach. Take His calling and His giftedness. Find something that you can do. And he argued. He argued with Jesus. Let's see if I can get my text here. I'm, I'm losing myself. This is all in Acts 22, sorry. Acts twenty two seventeen. he's telling this story again. And the Lord told him to leave Jerusalem. Verse 18. In verse 19, he begins to argue, Lord, I said, these men know that I went from one synagogue to another to even... To, to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of all those who were killing me. Lord, I'm the one that should reach these people. I've got that message. And Jesus, in verse 21, repeats the message, Go, I will send you far away to Gentiles. In other words, you need to get out of Dodge. You're not going to be used here. All His best plans and thinking. And God is saying, all I need is you. And all you need is me. You get confused by what you want to do instead of what I have for you to do. And notice when He leaves. By the way, He leaves and goes to Tarsus back where he's from. We don't know what in the world goes on in Tarsus. We assume he's teaching up there, doing something. Maybe teaching a Sunday school class in synagogue. (laughs) But it's years. Seven, maybe ten years. He's, He's out. He's not in the mix. He's not being used. He's gone to tail between his legs. Years have passed. It says, though, about Jerusalem, as soon as he left, it said, verse 31 of of chapter 19, uh, it says, the brothers learned of this. They took him down to Caesarea, sent him off to Tarsus. Then it says, verse 31, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. (laughs) It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. And so, he wasn't there. It was not him that was going to be effective there. But these... When he left out of there and got all this commotion away, then the church began to make ground. As soon as he left. And so Paul's legacy was he was a zealous young Christian. You could say young, and we don't know his age. Trying to do what he could do in the flesh. Causing people all kinds of trouble. Actually roadblocking progress of the gospel. It took him a long time to learn how to use, walk with the yoke of Christ. God does not need just our ability. He needs our availability. Our zeal in the flesh can be counterproductive. Sometimes when I think I've just got the best sermon, I'm, you know, I've stood, this is a good one. Boy, I'm going to lay it out there. This is going to be effective. Sometimes, have you ever had this happen to you, Ronnie? Sometimes that thing will fall flat as an absolute fritter. Isn't that true?
Paul was sent home to Tarsus to learn how to walk for Christ. And back home, he was learning this lesson, availability, not ability. The Lord will let you know. The flesh dies hard. It dies hard. Doesn't it? Amen? I get an amen about the flesh dying hard. After those years there in Tarsus, Barnabas came and Paul was humble. He was emptied of himself. He no longer had that zeal in the wrong direction. And he was beginning a career of manifesting Jesus Christ throughout the Roman Empire, not to the Jews, his field of expertise, but to the Gentiles, to the rest of the whole Roman world. What a great ministry. He learned the lesson of the yoke of Jesus. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says that in one place. We like that verse. Now, I don't mind telling you, you know, I, I thought coming here would just be the answer to lots of things. But I had, I had some rough years here. I'm not... Nobody to blame us. I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure it out. Try to, how to learn how to pastor, learn how to preach. And uh, I can tell you here, for the first six years I was here, I went to bed every Sunday night with a splitting headache. Straight home, put my head under the pillow. <laughs> Nerve, strain. Church was doing okay, but no big upticks in it. And, and then on the seventh year, something changed. You might, the church might not have known it, but I knew it. And, and I had learned a lesson that finally you just got to trust the Lord. Not be intimidated, not be afraid. Just trust the Lord when you go to those dark doorways and open them up. And Paul, it says of Paul that his ministry, once he hit the Gentile world, planted churches all over the place. He was a missionary. But it had taken years, it had taken years for him to get to the place where God really could use him. Did he waste, was he wasting time? No, he wasn't wasting time. God was working on him. I heard a boy in seminary, he, he asked the professor one time, he said, he said, I feel like I'm just marking time here. I'm not doing anything. And the professor told him, said, son, he said, this preparing for ministry is the ministry. And what you're doing here will be a benefit to those that you will serve. And so we could stick our face back in old dusty books and keep at it. The Lord would use it. God's working on us. You know, I'm, I'm conscious today. When I come in here, I'm always conscious that there's always somebody here 
that needs to hear about Jesus Christ and how important it is to know that He is your Savior. And that He will open His heart to you. His heart is open to you. If you'll open your heart to Him. I know there's probably somebody here that's really in a difficult place. You're waiting on a breakthrough from God. It might be you're going to... You're needing a breaking right now. Or something's happened that's humbling you, breaking you. But even when He's ready, it may be in the middle of those years, when He's ready, you'll know it. Father, we thank You for Your Word. And God, I hardly know how to extend an invitation except to say, this is the play, day and place where we make our commitments special significant matters and we're professing our faith in Jesus. We come and say, I'm a Christian today and I want to follow the Lord. Or we need to recommit our life. Or maybe to come and join this church, be a part of this great church. Or we just ask that You will lead us and guide us and direct us and keep us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing hymn number 297. As we sing, I invite you to come. Let's stand together.